from the battlefield. This is Jay. And this is Chuck. Welcome to Next 5 Dance. Greetings one and all. Welcome to this latest episode of Next 5 Dance. My name is Jay and I'm chilling with Chuck. Dwana, what do we have on the show today? Alright, today we're covering the Arsenal versus Man United game. And we're going to have um, talks around the Springboks, team selection and how they've done um, so far. Alright, so let's get into it. Arsenal versus Man United, that barnstorming game, that electrifying game, that your game of the season. The nah. one, the one fixture nah. that you look forward to tonight. It's, it's long, long gone are the days of Patrick Vieira and Roy Keane fighting in the tunnel, and you could feel the electricity and the passion, and you Mart- knew it was Martin going to be like Jones the game of the season. On, on yeah, but yeah, nah, those sadly, those days are behind us. It's, it's been <laughs> a couple of seasons, no? Is it? It like, has not really interesting. Just another fixture because the badges and the names hold a bit of clout. It's crazy. If you are an Arsenal United fan like we are, uh, you probably started supporting the teams at a time when this clash was to determine who wins the actual Premier League. But now we're fighting for what? Sixth, fourth, fifth, these ridiculous numbers. And I mean, the game last night as well just showcased where these two teams are. It was was an eyesore. It was a yeah. difficult match to watch. It was dreary. It was slow-paced at times because United had possession but did nothing with it. Arsenal let them have possession and play and do nothing with it. And then so at least in the second half, the game came to life a bit, but it's overall, overall a poor showing. Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when the stats came up in terms of United having 60% of ball possession, they had all their possession, but they weren't doing much of it. They're just passing it around. Mm. And in, in in the case of Arsenal, Arsenal set back and invited United to have the ball. And it, it was a case of each team not quite looking like they know what they're doing. One thing I want to ask, which, which is, I think, weird that Arsenal set back because people are saying that the fear factor at Old Trafford is gone. Why does it exist with Arsenal? You know what? I think... I think this is the matter of the coach because yeah. prior to this season, um, Emre has been criticized for being naive when he goes um, away to to one of these big six clashes. It just goes there with his own philosophy, just um, attacking and Arsenal usually are just open and they concede a bunch of goals away from home in, in these big games. But now I feel like he overcompensated particularly against this opposition because we've seen this Man United team they, as you say, the theater of dreams is is not scary to anyone. It, oh, like people have come there, won their first game in like forty years at Old Trafford, and then he like he just sent Arsenal out there, seemingly having heard that noise, um, and just said to them, "Try not to concede," which is a joke. <laughs> telling the Arsenal team try not to concede, and it's, it's, a, it's a bit crazy because your strength is in attack play and in going forward and, and scoring goals, not defending. So when you set up and you line up defensively with even your, your midfielders being the ones who are not really overly offensive, um, your Kenduzis, your Torrieras, how, how, how is he trying to win the game? Or is, he, or is he not looking for a win? Is he going for a draw? It's a, it's is, a, is he happy with the draw? Man, you, you know, it, it, it's, it's, a confusing, it's a confusing time at Arsenal. Mm. Particularly last night with, with the team that Emery put out. In midfield, you had Guendouzi, who was the best player of the midfield trio. Um, you had Torreira, who was starting in a, in, in a more defensive role 
which is different and and is more natural position than what he was playing most of last season mm-hmm. in a more advanced position. But he looks a little lost now, having to 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 revert back to what is his actual position because he's played out of position so long. And then the third of that 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 trio, um, Granit Xhaka. I, I absolutely, without trying to sound like a Arsenal fan who just whines and whines, as a football fan, when you watch Arsenal and you watch, you watch Granit Xhaka, it is hard to mm. figure out why is he in, 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 in a team of that caliber because he does nothing well. Instead, last night, you just saw him do what he does best. He just, he's, he's, he's mistiming tackles and he's just barging into people. You're like, what is, why is this guy in the team? What actually is he adding in the team? But should we? I don't know. I'm 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 caught in two minds because I'm thinking why are Arsenal set up that way? Because you you and I would agree that we're on the same level, just about underperforming, not really as good as we want ourselves to be. Um, but at the same time, should you guys not see that United is there for taking? They've been playing badly for a long that's time. That's the thing, that, and that that's what was confusing. I mean, Arsenal are coming off of a a, a good performance in the Europa League, where they won three 0 win from home, mm. and as well as coming, mm. yeah, in the League Cup, five 0 in the League Cup, and then the game against uh, Aston Villa when they were down to ten men, came back from oh, a goal down and yeah. like to win the game. So you think they come into the game with a little confidence, you know, mm. and you think they've, 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 everyone has seen United this season. You saw the performance that United put in when they went away to West Ham. So when you go there, I think, and I think this, this speaks to the ambition of Arsenal, which has been mediocre for mm. a lot of years, where you would imagine that right now where United are spoken of as a team in, in, who are in a rebuilding phase, you should go there as Arsenal who, you think you are in, in, in at a stage later than that? Mm. Go there, assert assert your dominance, and put one over a team you've not won away to since two thousand and six. But it's none of that. Instead, they let a United team led by a Pogba returning from injury, <laughs> Jesse Lingard. <laughs> Jesse Lingard was in that team, and I, I mean Jesse Lingard has scored his his most goals against one uh, opposition against Arsenal, which is four goals, mm. but. The, the stats say he's scored how many this year? Zero. Zero assists. Why? It's, it's, why Why? Why are United playing with Jason Lingard? Why are United persisting with the players that they're persisting with? Apparently it's a rebuild. And I say it's apparent because what are we building with? The pieces that we have are clear to everyone that they're not good enough. The excuse that they always give out is that they're academy players. But as far as I know and as far as I've seen with other players... You graduate academy players who are good enough, not because they've come of age literally, but they've come of age in terms of their ability and their maturity. Yeah. And so, like, you're good enough to be in the team. It's not while well, you're you're better than the rest that are in the in the academy. So come up, it's you're good enough to be in the team. And so, if we have players who, I mean, we, was, we were having a conversation earlier on about the Liverpool's and the cities of this world that when they introduce their academy players, it's in a well-established team in a well-drilled um, 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 team with, with good structure, good performances, and they blood them in slowly but surely. Yeah. But we are relying on these players. Um, you guys have got Saka, you've got Willock, you've got Nelson, we've got the McTominays. Um, maybe you can count to Lingard because he's also the Camry product. We've got the Pereiras. Got Mason Greenwood is coming in. And we're relying on 17-year-olds. Like The question is, as, as much as we are United and Arsenal fans, are we right to expect a top-four finish even? It's, it's 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 muddling because, I mean, 
now listening to you just describe the situation at United, it's crazy to me that Manchester United, Manchester United, we're, I mean, you, you never think the worst can happen to like the biggest teams, but we were looking at the result of Leicester against Newcastle mm. and we were actually reminiscing how Newcastle were in and around a title challenge just 20 years ago. Mm. And um, in the mid 2000s, they were always there challenging for the top four for Champions League spots. And eventually that was a team that got relegated. West Ham, same thing. Um, mm. They're too good to go down. Then they went up. Now I'm not saying United are going to go down, but I think it is a dangerous thing to, 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 to go with a team that is well-established in, in the minds and the hearts of fans Mm. And as a brand, because of the success that they've had um, historically on the pitch, and then suddenly to turn around and to ask the the, the biggest and broadest fan base in the world mm. to say that you need to be a little patient, to be a little bit patient, because the teams are building. There are teams in, in world football that don't rebuild. Barcelona mm. don't rebuild. Real Madrid do not re- rebuild. Juventus got relegated, came back the following season to Serie A, and what took them a season or two to go Thank on a winning. ridiculous run of winning mm. the Serie A because big teams tend to maintain that in this day and age. Mm. So when you are looking at a Manchester United and you are asking the question now, <laughs> is it is it even realistic um, to expect a, a top four finish? I, I don't think it's realistic with this United team. They're not finishing in the top four. They're not making the Champions League. But I think it's a ridiculous um, reality where the people who run United and, and, and the voices that speak on behalf of United I th- I think, you should expect that. I think what, what is highlighted most recently is the fact that United are, are a brand. Brand United, they call it. That they're more interested in the money and whatnot. I think all the comments that we hear about United's performance are just in the context of this season. Be patient, we've got Solskjaer. Be, pa- be patient, we've got young players. How long have we, have we been waiting for a league title? You can't tell us when we've lost one in 2012, 2013 that we need to be patient. It's like six, seven years later. How how much longer must we wait? You, you can say it in the context of this season, I understand. Scott McTominay is establishing himself. Daniel James has got into the team. We've got Bissaka, we've got Maguire. I understand. But how do you account for the other years that have gone by? What What I is mean, actually in, happening? In the United. same case as, 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 as um, Arsenal, as I was saying, that Solskjaer seems relaxed. Emery seems relaxed. They're not really people who are under fire at their jobs. Arsenal hasn't won a league title in over 10 years. How many is it? 15 seasons. 15, 15, 15 years this year. And so with the team that they're putting out to go against United, you know, like, like we were saying in conversation, there's no longer Vieira versus Keane. It's Saka versus <laughs> Tanzibi. And it's like... Like, who are these guys? You know, I've been waiting I'm sure, for a long time sure. for good football, for trophies, something. Yeah, I mean, players come into teams, obviously, uh, all over the place from mm. academies. And uh, upon them stepping into uh, the limelight, you don't know who they are. But, man, I, I, I was, I'm looking at the these teams, Arsenal and Manchester United, that they put put out yesterday. And I'm like, who are these guys? <laughs> who are these people? I mean, Arsenal charted out a £72 million player in Nicholas Pepe. And I, I, I said earlier in our podcast that I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give him some time because, you know, we, we, we've heard English Premiership, you, you need to adjust to it. Mm. Um, the pace is different. And he comes from, can I just say, the French League as one of the big five leagues in Europe is, is, is a farce. That is the same league that Arsenal signed Giroud from because mm. he was the leading goal scorer that previous season. He comes to England and I, I cannot imagine to myself, how does that guy be at the top of a goal scoring chart in a top five league in Europe? 
Same thing now that I'm, I'm looking at Nicholas' paper and he's he's looking a little funny under the light, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I was I was watching the game yesterday. I'm thinking Zaha is probably worth every penny that Crystal Palace are looking for, and they they must be sitting back rubbing their hands, thinking, man, we're gonna cash in on Zaha because I would have preferred as an Arsenal fan preferred to have Zaha on the stage yesterday. Nicholas Pepe, he's 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 crosses. Are not at the level that they should be. Mm. His shots at goal are not at the level they should be. He's got his tricks, uh, but they're not very incisive. Mm. And I mean, you look at the guy and you you trying to figure out is this the guy who was bought to be the best player at this team? Because if that's the case, seventy two million pounds could have been used on a Koulibaly. Yeah. I mean, to actually show up the defense, to actually sort out problems you guys had on the pitch yesterday. Out of twenty two players. The only person we we could say was was good and kept up with his reputation was Aubameyang. Yeah, the other twenty one players were just they were just there. I I I I would say as well in the limited um, touches that Paul Pogba had, mm. uh, Paul Pogba looked like Paul Pogba when he had the ball at his feet. And I mean, I think he was struggling with uh, match fitness because he he because he was he was not good at all in the in the League Cup. Mm. And in this game, there were large stretches where he disappeared, but the the big moments that United had uh, came uh, as a result of the ball coming from Paul Pogba, which actually begs the question, if United are seen to be a team that is rebuilding, and Paul Pogba was signed for a world record fee at the time, Mm. it was with the idea that this guy is going to push this team over the top. This is not the team that he signed signed for. Is it fair? Is it fair for United fans and for fans of football to expect Paul Pogba to stay and be part of this rebuild when this is not what he signed up for. This is definitely not what he signed up for because, as you said, he was it was that extra piece that was going to take him to the top. But now he seems like the only piece. You look to the left, you've got Pereira. You look to the right, you've got McTominay. Ahead of you is Lingard, and you ask yourself, why am I still in this team? Because all the guys that that would have probably stayed and, and helped build build the team, the Herreras are gone. Um, and you thought they'd bring someone to us to, to 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 strengthen that midfield. I think I think had they brought in the savage guy from um, Lazio, had they brought in uh, Bruno Fernandez, it would have been a better midfield. But you can't really contest for the league if your midfield is non-existent, especially because we don't have a striker at this point. So it's it's crazy to assume, not to assume, uh, rather to assume, I guess, from Solskjaer that we're going to go for top four with what we have. I think, I mean, you look at Pogba, and Pogba is he's. <laughs> He's a World Cup winning player, mm. and he was not a bit part player in in the team that won the World Cup. He was one of the better players at the whole tournament. Mm. And this is a guy when he was signed back from Juventus by United, uh, who was putting in performances week in week out in Serie A, which just left you gobsmacked because he was just controlling everything from midfield. He had the physicality. He's got he's got the pass. He's got the vision. He as a footballer, as a midfielder, this is the guy. You want in your team, mm. and this is a this is also the very same guy who was making fifth pro eleven teams, which means in a in a in a best eleven of a, any given year, Paul Pogba was one of those guys. You don't hear him in conversation um, around uh, around such situations. You don't hear Paul Pogba as perhaps the best midfielder in the world, and he's now in his prime. And mm. to expect him to wait for. Uh, I don't know what Solskjaer has, what Solskjaer has kids, Solskjaer has babes, to, 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 to mature 
And, and and the thing is with players who are young and who have got potential, you don't quite know what they're going to become. Look at Walker. He was at Arsenal for 10 years. And as a 16-year-old, he looked precocious. Mm. But as a finished product, he never quite became the next Thierry Henry. You know? And if Paul Pogba is at Manchester United, 30 years old, and looking back at a situation whereby he could have left for a Real Madrid or any of... Or gone back to Turin, for that mm. matter. Mm. But he just stayed there because... What he's expected to be loyal to what cause because United don't even seem as if they know what they're doing. I mean, I think you hear from star players all around the uh, all around the the world that <clears throat> I believe in this project or they we were building something, and I think in his case it's actually regressed. When I came here, there was Latan, there was a Rooney, there was this and that. And I thought, okay, this is the platform that we're going to start from and we're going to spring up and then actually challenge with the other big guys. Yeah, and they've actually regressed and. The big guys have gone. The academy players have come up, and the criticism has turned up a, a, a few notches. And everything is being expected from Pogba, whereas he was expected to join a team. I want to I want to highlight a team of other good players. And so when he's the only one who is actually of great quality, world class quality, everything falls to his shoulders. And so the question is, and I know it's a, it's an age old debate um, for as long as he's joined United that he's not doing enough. Is it fair to criticize one guy in a team that's underperforming? That's been underperforming for a long time. Is it fair to say, but you're supposed to take... Because oftentimes I hear them say, Paul was supposed to take the game by the scruff of the neck. How often in world football does anyone take the game by the scruff of the neck? I get a good performance. I get a hat-trick. I see a brace. But taking a game by the scruff of the neck is you conducting. You're orchestrating. People are, are, are playing to your tune. You are, you, you are basically determining the outcome single-handedly. How often does that happen? And with who he has to play with, how often will that happen? It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, when you hear criticism of um Leo Messi at Argentina, I think it's a bit fair because mm. he's he's got Ankel Di Maria around him. He's mm. got Sergio Aguero in front of him. And I mean he's keeping up keeping out the Dabala from the team. There's quality there. Yeah. And where 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 the two defining uh, giants of the game in in this generation, Messi and Ronaldo. Ronaldo was playing in the Real Madrid team with a guy who also then went on to win a Ballon d'Or and the FIFA best player in the world. Same thing with Messi at at, at Barcelona's pomp. He was playing with two guys, Xavi and Iniesta, who finished in the top three, like mm. a couple of seasons of Ballon d'Or voting. So in a situation whereby the team is strong, fairly. You mm. can look to the best player in the team and ask, where are they if they disappear? But I mean, in a, in a, in a, it's the same thing we were talking about a couple of seasons ago. Um, the front three of Liverpool delivered a hundred goals between yeah. the three of them. And you could very clearly see that the midfield was, was, was not what those guys needed for mm. them to take that, that leap. And fairly, you could criticize those guys because a lot of times they were like the gameplay, they were bypassing the midfield going to the guys in front. But when you come back to a team like Manchester United, mm. you know, who who are those caliber players? Who are the Chavis and Iniestas, the Modric's on, at United? No There's, no There's no one. And yet you're going to turn, you're going to turn towards this guy. And I don't know what it is. There's just, there's just this prejudice towards Paul Pogba. Mm. I, I don't know if it's because he's not ingratiated himself uh, to the United faithful. I don't know what exactly he's supposed to do. The guy goes out there and sure, Perhaps, perhaps we've not seen the absolute best from Paul Pogba, mm. but I, I think it's hard as well to produce your best when, as you say, every time you go to work, <laughs> you look around <laughs> and you're just like, man. man, what am I doing here? Yeah. And what, and where are we going? 
Because mm. how many managers has he has he seen since he's he's, he's been like two? Yeah, two. And there's no guarantee that this this current manager is 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 one who'll be there even next season. It's a team in flux, and yet he's supposed to be the rock and the glue that holds everything together. I think I think in modern football we've 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 let teams um um go free in terms of carrying responsibility of what performances look like, and we've laid it solely on the players. What is Pogba doing? What is Hazard doing? What is Ronaldo doing? What is the team actually doing? What is Manchester United as a, as, as a football team, as a club, doing to make sure that they perform better in the next game? Because you can't just say, um, Pogba, turn up, we're going to win. So what about the guys that Pogba passes that don't score? What about the guys who, who force Pogba to play defensive role because they're not good enough in what they're doing? What about the guys who can't keep the ball? And so the question then is, is it fair to, to, to put such, criticism, such pressure rather? On players in a sports in, in a sporting team, I mean, and when we speak of a team, I'd I'd go even as far as not just the guys on the pitch, um, it's the guys on the sidelines, hmm. it's the guys in who are making the decisions in the boardroom. I mean, I look at an Arsenal, for example, and I was telling you this when a clip um, came came of a historical game, one of the historical games between Arsenal and United, where a 19 year old Ronaldo scored a brace and shut the Highbury faithful up. Hmm. You see in his second goal, the highlight, one of the players who's defending is Pascal Sigan. And I was thinking to myself, that is 2005. Mm. From Pascal Sigan, Arsenal went to a Senderos. They went mm. to a, a Juru. They went to a William Gallus who was past his prime. They went to a Silvestri who mm. was past his prime. And Never so, and, 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 and so it's gone. A Paramatizaka who wasn't, who wasn't starting for Germany. And the same issues persist. Mm. The, for 15 seasons, the, it's been very clear to anyone who's got any kind of eye that Arsenal are in need of a, a centre back, someone who's going to be commanding in the back four, a la Tony Adams mm. or, or 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 Saul Campbell. But Maybe instead, you guys, did Luis, you guys even have a clean sheet last season? I'm sure we did. Very few, uh, but and and the, and the records of the games that you played away. I mean, coming good. into that, this that United into this United match, we yeah. went th- three games in a row conceding two goals. That that highlights, if anything, you guys need to fix your defense. Like, do you need a qualification in sports <laughs> science or something to realize that Just the actual the problem here is defense? So, what 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 is a, a, a realistic expectation for our team, given the personnel that we have? You know that the coaches are not really too bothered by results like these. I don't. I, it's hard to say. Um, I, I still think um, Arsenal I, I will finish third this season, and the only reason I say that is because I see more problems for the teams around um, Arsenal uh, fighting for it. Can I put two, two names in? Chelsea, like, Leicester. What, what do you make of those? Don't Chel- they trip you up? Chelsea are a fun time. <laughs> Anything can happen on any given day. Leicester are looking, they're looking solid, I must say. Um, and actually, I might, I might actually even be tempted to punt them to finish ahead of Arsenal, uh, in the, in the top four. Uh, but in terms of United, uh, United will be lucky to finish sixth. Um, uh, and, 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 that, yeah. and a Gary Neville will come on and say that you should just be patient because it's a rebuild. How long, Gary? How long? You ain't got the answers, Gary. <laughs> how? How? How, Gary? Nah, man. Like, man, we this week what we're doing Europa again. 
<laughs> yeah. Against Lord knows who. <laughs> playing, playing, playing in the Europa League on Thursday nights when nobody's tuned into f- any football because Tuesday and, and, and Wednesday Champions League happen and it's, yeah. So last night we had an Arsenal and Manchester United game, but that no longer is Arsenal Manchester United. It's just. So, so until they get their, their, their story right and, the, and they actually address properly all the issues that they face, this is going to be a long season. It's, it's going to be, be a long season. season. I mean, I've resigned to even if I don't even finish Europa, it's fine. You know, we're just playing. I think we just should focus on the Carabao Cup. Now, Con, I don't know if we can even win because there are still big teams there. Like Rockdale. Yeah, see what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and the sad thing, the sad thing, before we even close this point, now that it comes to my mind, United's Carabao Cup team and the league team against Arsenal looks identical. Not very different. Because the the young guys are the strongest team that we have. And so it's, it's scary. Why, why, why can't we have a team that's strong enough to interchange players? And this is why then as an Arsenal fan, you should be despondent at the display from last night that this United team, this is not Sir Alex's United team, man. This United team held Arsenal to 1-1. It's tough times. Uh, let's, let's let's go to let's go to something that has greater optimism, um, and and where we actually have like proper chances of doing well, which is in the Rugby World Cup, Springboks. All right, so the team has been announced. Um, three guys made it into the I think the stronger side. The, yeah. The the the, the, the team well, that started against New Zealand. Against New Zealand, yeah. So not not much gamble, gambling um, in terms of selection, but we're looking for a win this time. So um, Mustard is out for Lutayaha. Um, Bonami's in for Marks and then Tariro in for Kisov. What do you make of that team? I think we should need to discuss the, the bench as well because that's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, starting with the changes that were made to the starting 15, I am quite excited to see Bongi. 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 Bongi is in the team. Uh, he's, um, earned it. he's earned it. Yeah. He's been I, playing I, performance I, after performance together and he's, he's one of the most solid guys that we have in the team. He really is. Uh, we we have been discussing the form of Malcolm Marx and how it's it's not was two seasons ago. Mm. I mean, Malcolm Marx is is in the team because of the dynamism that he showed in terms of being a ball carrier, a dominant ball carrier. That and he was cr- he was crossing over the whitewash like f- for fun a couple of seasons ago. And mm. that's the at the time we were looking at him, we were thinking to ourselves, man, if we if he carries this form into the World Cup. There are no answers for this guy because, I mean, he did his job in terms of, in terms of the scrum, and then you have basically an, an an extra back roller in terms of the work that he was doing out on the pitch. But he's not been he's not been that guy for 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 a good two seasons now, and I think we've been we've given him a, a fair run in in, in the first team, yeah. and we've been waiting for him to explode back into that guy, but it just hasn't been happening. Whereas. Bongi is 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 a consummate professional. He comes into the team. He does his job. He throws a uh, 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 precise, yeah. and he's he's work around the rock and the mall, particularly when and we because that, that's our game. game. Yeah. yeah, it was not one of his strongest suits when he came into the team, and maybe that's why he was on the bench. But you're right in terms of that he's a, he's a proper professional because he's put his head down at every call up, whether he's coming off the bench, whether he's starting, and he's actually shown hard work all the time. I mean, not to question other players' hard work and their work ethic, but Bongi's, I think he's earned it more than anyone in a Springbok yeah. jersey. He's definitely, it's on merit. 
Yeah, would Ken agree? It's definitely a merit. And I mean, he scored two tries in 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 the game against um, Namibia. Yeah. Which and and that's this that's the thing I love about him. Every because it's a privilege to play for the Bulls to mm. pull to pull on the green green jumper. No one has a stranglehold on yeah. on on the jersey. And when you when he's been given the chance, we saw it in the championship, and we see we saw it again now. In I mean, Namibia were not that strong a position where however you played is relative to the competition. Mm. You know. But even in a in a situation like that, um, Bonambi, Sean. When when a team has been highly rotated like it has been, you're looking for people to put up their hands and say, yeah. "I want to start the next game." And no one did that better than him. And as you say, that no 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 place is guaranteed. Most of this off this time, and Lut Diakha came in, so he also put in a good performance. What do you make of that? I mean, it's a it's a like for like change. Mm. Um, I I did not go away from the New Zealand game uh, feeling particularly that we needed. To make a change in terms of um, the lock pairing with Evan Etzebeth. But Diacha is someone who, in the last year particularly, he play, he played a lot with, yeah. with Etzebeth. And I know in, in, in rugby, you, you prefer to have combinations that uh, have had experience playing together and they know each other's um, <clears throat> movements on the field. Mm. And that that's a pairing that we had, as I said, like last year quite a bit. And... Look forward to seeing the mm. in, in, in the team. Um, there's a very clear game plan from from Rassi. Um, mm. It's it's a forwards dominated game plan. I mean, Italy, Italy are not guys who are going to run around you and yeah, run through you. Most mobile, yeah. They really want to put their pack to work, and that that's our, our strong point as well. And mm. seemingly, what Rassi has done is that he's responded in like um, fight, fighting fire with fire, so so to speak. Mm. And even his selections on the bench, where we see six forwards and only two backline players, and those backline players are and the Yankees as well as Frankenstein. I, I don't know if that's interesting. I think it's worrying. I'm I, concerned I, about yeah, that. I, I, I don't know how. That that only means that we've got one way that we want to play, and we're only going to play that particular way. And God forbid we have injuries, because as you said, there's practically basically no cover at all in the back line, because all we have is just front stain, just front stain, because we can't have now um, Yankees and and the Clack on the field, and the then you time. expect someone to play on the wing or something or inside center, because they're too small for that role. So honestly, I I don't know. I'm not I, I, I'm not I, I, convinced. It doesn't quite make sense to me in terms of how the benches lined up. Because no, are we gonna just barge into them and 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 out muscle them? That seemingly is the game plan. I mean, this is this is South Africa, nineteen seventy eight. It's 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 concerning from this point, as you as you point out that so our 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 cover on the bench for the back for the backline players yeah. consists of a guy in Yankees who can only um, play scrum half. So and 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 coming off of the New Zealand performance, one of the things that Rassi noted quite uh, a few times in 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 his post match interviews was that he wanted to have an opportunity to bring on Franz Stein, but he couldn't because of injuries. And to just go in and just live this charmed life, expecting that nothing things are gonna go exactly to plan, mm. because you pose the question: What happens if we do have injuries? I mean, if we have injuries and in, in, in amongst the forwards, that's fine because we've got like a million forwards yeah, on on the bench. But in terms of Franz Stein, Franz Stein seemingly, uh, mm. because Yankees is only covering uh, nine, Franz Stein is seemingly covering from fly half all the way to fifteen. And I'm not I'm not comfortable with Franz Stein being the cover for Henry Pollard because he hasn't 
he hasn't played as a scrum half and when he has he hasn't played that well where he tends to play well is in the inside set inside center position as well as as fullback but then the question happens is what happens if he's on the field and someone else in the back line goes down who who covers who because Kobe probably covers the other wing as well as as fullback if needs be Villeneuve I've not seen him play anything but fullback in the mm. Springboks jersey Demon Delande, same time. thing. Yeah. He's he's an inside center. That's his trade. That's all he does. Same thing with Lukanyo M. I don't know if any of uh rugby supporters out there have seen him play in another position, the back line and shine. But we tend to have specialists in that back line, not not guys not guys who aren't very versatile. Mm. I mean we were, we were no, saying that if Damon Willemsa was at the World Cup, mm. you, you feel a little more confident in terms of okay, he can cover ten, twelve and fifteen a la Franz Dain. Mm. But it's it's a gamble. It begs the question that how are we preparing then for the knockout phases with the team that we're playing? Are we always going to play a team like this? Because granted, we're not going to play New Zealand all the time. And we only have to line up like we do against New Zealand. But how, how, how does this being like this team being front row heavy, how does it help us prepare then for an island maybe or a Scotland or a Japan? Because Ireland is um, play a different game of rugby altogether. Um, Japan run with the ball a lot. Scotland aren't as big. So, Maybe they'll they'll beat us with pace. So how how does this team is is it an isolated selection, or do we think we're preparing somewhere to 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 use this team? And also, why are they obsession with Franz Stein? Why why do you always want to have him on the team? There are other players <laughs> who can play in the back line. You know, in terms of what Rossi looks like he's doing, he looks to be picking horses for courses. And I don't know if you want to come into a World Cup and do that. I think mm. my, 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 I mean, you should have a framework in terms of how you want to play. And at this point, the South African blueprint is, is pretty clear. It's a, it's a forward and pack dominated, um, play. And when we, if we do tire the, the other team out and those spaces start to open up, we can throw it back to our back line. And even in our back line, we play, it's a kicking game, mm. you know, but other than that, the fact that we, we, in all these, the two matches since the New Zealand game, we've had changes. Now, this one is more significant because this is our, our, our main line, uh, 15 and 23. And you, you think to yourself, is this the mindset that he's looking to go into all the matches with? Because, I mean, in the group stages, it's, you, you could get away with it because there are, other than, uh, the game against New Zealand and Italy, Minnows that we're playing, Namibia and and, and Canada, you know. Yeah. But even then, I think you want to come to a a, a place where you've got you're comfortable with, with with the fifteen and twenty three that you trot out. That whoever the opposition plays, bring your best guys. Yeah. These are my best guys, and put them out there. And whoever is the stronger team, that's what what's what's going to happen. Because I'm not I'm not feeling very confident with Rusty right now. Because I mean, he was saying now with concerning this game against Italy that this could potentially be a slippery game for us, like Ireland was against Japan. I'm like, as a player, when you hear that your coach is thinking, man, this could go the way of Japan and Ireland. I'm like, what? Like, not not inspiring any sort of confidence at all. So with with him saying that things have been affected by injuries, should we have injuries? Do we look like we have a plan B? It doesn't look like it. It doesn't. It doesn't look like um, we. It's funny because all these all these different formations seem as though we've got a plan B, C, D, and E. But when when you look at them, 
uh, doesn't quite make sense. I mean, I was questioning the the absence of Asia Kolisi um, to start the game against Namibia because mm. we were told that the reason he was pulled off in around the 50th minute, minute against New Zealand was because he was lacking match fitness. I'm thinking, give him a run of 80 then against Namibia. Yeah. But then, maybe unbeknownst to me, uh, perhaps he was being given the cotton wool treatment where you're trying to protect him. But the thing is, this we're going to need our captain on the field, hopefully for 80, yeah. when we are playing in the knockout stages. And he's back now in the team, um, captaining the team, so that's good to see. And, and and I'm hoping I'm hoping to see the bear put up a performance where like that's the Sierra Khaleesi we know yeah. as well you know um, but I, I I'd, I'd like for Rusty to settle on on a team it's it's yeah I think I I, I also don't know what what team's gonna pick them for the Canada game probably gonna go for heavy rotation again and play the spoon courses and and the players haven't really got any chance the Yankees and stuff but I I I'd prefer I'd prefer actually to actually add. Um, Elton Yankees' name into the hat. I think he should have been on the bench for this game as well. Just as a cover, because Pollard can play 15 as well, am I correct? Yeah. And so if you switch that up, maybe at, at half time, and just see how that dynamic would work, you're preparing yourself for certain situations that might come up maybe in the calendar game or in the knockout phases. That, okay, fine, let's switch this, this play again. Because what Elton offers, I think, is, is a different mindset in terms of how he plays um, 10 to Pollard. Pollard. He's the one who's going to try the flashier moves, kick um, down the line to the wing, look for a try like that. But... Pollard is more orthodox in how he plays. And so I think if you experiment with those with those plays early in the group and you can see what works and what doesn't work, it, it, it benefits you. But if you play a particular way and something goes wrong, I don't think we're prepared for that. As we've had, I said, we don't have a plan B. I, I, I agree with you in terms of um, because Elton Yankees is the other 10 that we took for the World Cup. Mm we kind of need to see um, what he can give us because we might, we might need him down the line. Um, we might need him on, on, on as something different mm-hmm. to Pollard or we might need him as an addition to Pollard in the same team. The, the only thing um, I'll say about that is that unfortunately in the mm-hmm. game against Namibia, yeah. he did not look good at all. I and that's think, worrying. Yeah. That's worrying because again, going back to the, to the question of plan B, if he's not quite working out, He's not. He's not in the match day twenty three. Not at all. He should, he should be actually getting a run to build confidence and, and to get. So what are we doing in fly half other than Pollard? We are hoping and praying that one he he maintains his form, mm. and also that the injury bug doesn't bite him. I mean, in terms of the game, are you are you at all concerned um, for for this game uh, against Italy and going forward in the knockout phases? Not, not, not really. I'm, I'm not expecting an upset there. I think we're going to win, but I don't know what we can actually learn from that game with the team that we have. I mean, even if we win, say, by a blowout score, I, I don't know what we can put together and say that this is what we're going to do going forward, being that it's going to be a t- completely different ball game in the knockout phase, especially because I know in the candy game we're going to do heavy rotations, which is going to be probably counterproductive to what we learned in the previous game, which is the, the upcoming game in Italy. So not concerned about the results, but I'm concerned about how, we, how we're actually moving forward as a team. I think I, I think it's worth being concerned over. Um, mm. As I said, my what I'm hoping to see in the Italy game is I'm actually hoping that these guys have a dominant performance and the whole lot put their hands up. And this looks like the team that we need to settle on and the team that we need to go forward in. Because I don't I don't want to be going into a a, a so, quarterfinal clash against whoever that we might be playing. I'm hoping it's Japan, mm. and I've got my reasons for that. Um, I don't want to go into that game where we are 
asking the question of the three players who started in the same position in four different games, which one are we going for? You don't need gambles like that. Mm, not at all. I wanted to ask, say we do have a dominant display, won't that be like false information in terms of which team is good? Because he's probably, say the players come off the bench and they actually excel with what he has on the bench. Will that not put in his mind that this is what I'm probably going to do when I encounter the tougher games? Considering that um, time at a World Cup is limited, mm. I think you take what you get. Uh, so if if this team, because this is this is our do or die game, as as everyone keeps saying, mm. and Italy are not are not Namibia, they're not quite New Zealand, but mm. they are at now because we lost against New Zealand, they are the team, and the, because they've won both of their games against Namibia and Canada, and they're, keep us and they're on top of our pool at the moment. Yeah, they they're going to give us a challenge. This is a team that beat us three years ago, mm. and what we we were reading that ten of the players who lost that game against Italy are in this Springbok squad. Yeah. So Italy know that they can beat us because mm. they've done it before, you know. And they ran us close in that game. It was we, we it was twenty eighteen the final score. So I I I think as a South African team, this this is not it's not a game that we can poo poo. Yeah. This is. It's going to be a difficult game. And if we come out of this game re- having reestablished ourselves as one of the favorites for the tournament, I'll be happy. Um, score predictions? Let's go with... Uh, I mean, they shipped 20 goals uh, against... Points. N- points. <laughs> goals, points. That'd be something. Um, <laughs> against Namibia, uh, we only considered three. So they, 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 they're there for the taking, I think. Um, so I, I'd, I'd go for... Uh, 56 14 56 yeah 50 burger wow um you are quite the springbok fan i'm 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 not that optimistic i think a good win a good display for me i would say if we beat these guys by 35 to 18 that will be a good performance we'll see um so you were discussing that you prefer to face japan in the knockouts, um, I'm, I'm after the group stages. Why? Oh, why, 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 a quick why? word on that is because <sighs> Japan beat South Africa in the 2015 World Cup. I have not forgotten. I have not forgotten and I have not lived down those emotions. And I saw them win against Ireland and, and that stadium was rocking. The whole nation felt like they're behind them. And I'm, I'm, I'm keen for the whole country of Japan to build them up have them in a in a World Cup quarterfinal against South Africa, and I want to snatch their hearts out. In the words of the great Iron Mike Tyson, I want to eat your babies. <laughs> there goes the Japanese hospitality after all that. Um, look, I prefer us to play Scotland. They're not as strong as Ireland, and I don't think they're as strong as Japan playing in Japan. So I think they're the ease of the pick of, of the. Three. You know what? Also, because mm-hmm. of the fact that I think Japan would be a tougher game. I think in terms of a team that wants to win, go the whole way and win the World Cup. That 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 tough environment, as well as coming off of the experience of having lost against Japan, I think for me it would be gut check time and mm. posing the question: Does this team really have what it takes to win the whole damn thing? Because if you go into a game against Japan in in, in their backyard in with with the cauldron that that stadium becomes when they're on top, and you can come out of that game and having avenged the the loss from the previous World Cup, I think that would go a long way for me mm. in saying uh, what. 
what what our outcome in this World Cup will be. I'd rather have New Zealand try to beat Japan and see if they can pull it off. Maybe they've got one more upset in them, just one more, and then we meet Japan in the final. Then we can shut their mouth. They want to keep Japan in the quarterfinals. I'm gonna beat them now. All right, man. That's it for this week's episode or this week's edition of Next Five Dance. Um, put on your Springbok shirts, get your blood pumping for the game, and let's support the Boca. Yeah, go Boca. We are Next Five Tense, and you can find us on our social media pages at Next Five Tense. Um, I am at Emperor underscore J10, and you can find our podcast on. We're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, and also on iTunes. Next Five Tense, over and out.